You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. So, uh, what are we smoking this week, Brad? Uh, this week, we have another cigar by Punch, and this is sort of a uh, collaboration, I, I guess, with Cigar City Brewing. Um, out of Tampa. Out of Tampa, where, you know, we, back when we were consistently doing beer 30s, we had drank a Cigar City Maduro beer, but this is the... Cigar City by Punch Maduro Cigar. Yeah, they, so they've, uh, you know, kind of partnered with Punch to create a cigar to pair with their beers. Uh, you know, it will be available at uh, kind of at their uh, factory and at uh, select liquor stores and also your regular uh, cigar uh, purveyors as well. I ran out of words there for a second. Uh, your, your brick and mortars, <laughs> if you will. Yes. <laughs> um, so this is going to consist of a, it's a Honduran Puro made with Honduran Habano Maduro wrapper, Honduran Habano binder, and a combination of Honduran Habano fillers um, that are grown in various regions around the country. Yeah, a rich and heavy blend was crafted to complement the multi-sweetness of Cigar City Brewing's award-winning beers. And other beer, like, because, you know, I'm not a uh, IPA, like, hophead fan, but their their Maduro was kind of a, I don't know what I call it, like a brown ale or a, or even a kind of on the portier side. But Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely had a, a malty, yeah, you know, sort lineup, of mix that, was, that, that I remember. That one was probably my, my favorite uh, beer. Yeah, because I think with that one, we even smoked a couple of, uh, you know, just, I don't remember what cigar, but I know it had a Maduro wrapper because it's like, well, if it's got Maduro in the name, it's got to pair with a Maduro cigar. And I think <laughs> even the can said something about that. And um, I mean, so far, I'm I, I'm really digging this. You know, it's it's got a little bit of a uh, earthiness and woodiness to it. Um, little sweetness, uh, you know, from that Maduro wrapper, but also just a. Uh, a little bit of bite, you know, from the Habano and the the wrapper and the fillers. Yeah, I do like a a good Habano. That's that that spiciness you get with a Habano wrapper, and then when you Maduro it, because Maduro is not a leaf; it's a aging process. It just adds a little sweetness to that bite, and it's it's what my probably like. You know, most of the cigars I smoke are some form of, of Maduro cigar. Cause I like that. I don't want to like a sweet cigar, like one of these like flavored cigars that like, Oh, this is dipped in fucking sugar. But just that, that hint, like almost like a dark chocolate, uh, where it's just a little sweetness, uh, in with your, uh, your bite. Yes, absolutely. Now this, uh, I, I don't even remember the last time I drank a beer. It's been a long time, but, <laughs> yeah, <I> uh, know. <laughs> you know, this kind of makes me want to get, you know, Something that's, you know, malty uh, forward on the beer and, you know, pair with this cigar just to, uh, yeah, it's like I, I kind of miss much... doing the pairings, but damn, that shit gets expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much, I've been like, you know, this kind of a quarterly uh, drinker and usually it's like, you know, 
whiskey, something a little bit that's not as calorie heavy as uh, as beers. But so yeah, I don't remember the last freaking beer I drank. Probably New Year's. Uh, but yeah, let's see I mean, how this dude how just by itself. The, uh, I'm I'm you know, Punch has really stepped up to the table. You know, I mean, yeah, it's kind of turned into one of my go to. As far as everyday smokes, it's usually either some punch like Diablo signature series or one of the CAO uh, cigars. Like those are kind of like my two go-tos for everyday smokes. And yeah, this one's a, like I said, it, I don't know what kind of uh wide availability or if this is going to be like an ongoing thing, but definitely get these while you can. And speaking of bite, we're going to be talking about the Batman this week. Uh, and if you got to take on the criminals of Gotham, you should call on the Strikeforce. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code CigarNerds for 20% off your order. And, uh, yeah, with that, fire up the bat signal, and we'll be right back. week fire up the bat signal we're gonna be talking about the batman i mean i see a light off in the distance but i don't see a bat here hold on let me do the uh hand shadows or whatnot okay there we go oh fuck i touched the tip of my cigar (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i got bit by radioactive cigars am i gonna get cigar powers now Maybe. <laughs> it was not the hero we neither wanted nor asked for, it, but it was the hero we got. Uh, yes. Cigar man. <laughs> uh, I just like appear in a puff of smoke. <laughs> Burning your enemies to ash. Nice. Uh, so yeah. Hmm, no blood, no foul. I'm not no blistering yet, so I guess we're good to go. <clears throat> yeah, we're talking about the... Much delayed. Should I go get my trauma bag just to, you know, make sure you're okay? Uh, no, I think we're good. I got good reflexes. I'm like, hey, this hurts. Let me pull my finger away. I mean, I, I got all this, you know, cold compression and, you know, burn treatment and everything. I, I got to use this stuff. It's going to expire. And it's expensive. I'm throwing my tourniquet. <laughs> Throw on your tourniquet, your arm goes numb, no, and give you, yourself you, a stranger. You got you to gotta do something, you know, to, like, See, you should have cut yourself very badly, then cauterized the wound, you know. <laughs> you did it. You got your order of operations wrong. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. I digress. We're, we're going to turn this into a three-hour segment to match this three-hour movie. Yeah, I got to say, that's probably chief complaint on this movie is it's three fucking hours. 
and we've gone to see movies that are pretty long that didn't feel like three hours because they were so like kind of action heavy, like. Like, whatever, I forgot how what the runtime is on, like, Endgame or some shit, you know, but it's like... Yeah, but I mean, that's almost nonstop, you know, in your face, like, edge of your seat, where... Whereas this is such a, I don't want to say slow, but and we'll kind of get into why this isn't really a superhero film, but it's very, like, film noir, like you said, off-camera, or it's really a detective drama, so there's a lot of, like, you know scenes of solve the puzzle yeah investigation something like that so it's like it doesn't keep you as like on the edge of your seats as as like a three-hour action fest would so it's like you you felt the three hours (laughs) yeah i you know this one has the this will come out probably the whatever this should be out, you know, the 19th, on, on the 18th. Uh, our episode will air on the 19th. So by the so time yeah. you folks are actually listening to this, if you haven't seen the Batman, it will, it be, will on be on H- uh, HBO, HBO Max. Max. So yeah, if you if you don't want to go we're sit in stereo, <laughs> if you don't want to go sit in the theater to your ass goes now, I'm watching a three hour movie. You can now watch it online, and kind of the benefit of watching it at home, you might be able to turn the brightness up on your TV so you can see something because. This movie was dark as fuck, and not in the uh, the tone of the film, which was kind of dark, but it was just like visually like black through the whole. I think he goes out in the sun twice. This whole movie, he could have been Morbius because it was like, <laughs> no, no, I'm, don't go out in the in the light. The light sucks. I'm gonna stay in my hole until it gets dark because vengeance needs darkness. <laughs> But I I thought that was kind of cool, you know? I mean, this film, like, paired so nicely with, you know, references to stuff like The Killing Joke and so many of the, you know, short, you know, novels for, you know, prior to Batman actually being Batman. Yeah, it's... And this is one of those movies that took a while to get made i mean not only because originally when the dc what a justice league movie came out they're like oh yeah you know affleck has signed on to to play batman and these superman and the justice league and then he's going to write and direct the batman and then he decided he didn't like being batman i guess or didn't like the how the studio was doing things and he backed out of the project and then they brought in you know a different director, uh, directed and written by Matt Reeves. And then of course, fucking COVID delays where this shit was supposed to come out. I think last year originally. So this is kind of one. It took a long time to get to the, get to the table. But I, you know, I think it did really well. Like I'll, I'll say that where this film excels is there's such a story arc. Yes. Behind vengeance and not just, Oh, it's another Batman movie. Like, you know, yeah, the one there, thing... there's progression, there's, you know, like you've already stated, a lot of drama, a lot of build-up, and, you know... And we've kind of gotten used to DC movies not being great lately. And I think went in with, like, low expectations, because all the other kind of DC movies that have come out post the Nolan Batmans has been like... 
I'll see it because then we could talk shit about it on the podcast. Or I feel like I, I have to see it because it's going to be part of the pop culture conversation. But then I'm like, cool. I saw it once. I've never gone back to like any of them to see them again where I've watched like Marvel movies multiple times. So I went in this low expectations and then I was like, Oh, this is something different at least. And I would actually call this like a film versus just a movie. I mean, this was very like, I don't know, artistically done. Uh, well, this is definitely one of those where, you know, part of my issue, like, is watching this and knowing it had a three hour runtime, and I'm just like, you know, there's certain scenes that just seem to draw out forever, and it's like unnecessarily forever. Like, all right. I get it. You've got duct tape. You're, you're going to duct tape your hostage mouth shut. <laughs> but I don't need to sit you, you know, see there and film millimeter of millimeter by millimeter of, of duct tape coming off the roll. Like, rip that shit off. Let's get the mouth covered and get the show on the road. But well, at the same time, like, during all of that, there's so many Easter eggs and clues and, you know, to bring that detective aspect to the table that. You know, this is a film I could probably watch three times and all three times pick out something different that I miss going on, you know, in the background that's a subtle hint to, you know. Yeah, I'm kind of like, now that it's out on streaming where I can kind of take my time with it, I'm kind of looking forward to watching it again just to see what I I missed the first time around. And it's, one of the things that uh, I really like about this, it's, of the Batman movies, like you said, this one felt closer to the comics, uh, you know, and, and took inspiration from like the long Halloween year one and a couple others. It's the first bat, like in the comics, you always like, there's always like Batman's inner dialogue where you get to hear what he's thinking. And they've never done that in any of the movies, even like the animated stuff when they did the, which I love the animated, uh, uh, Dark Knight uh, Returns, I think it is, or Dark Knight Rises, whichever one, would, which that comic book is heavy with like Batman inner dialogue, and they take none of that out in the animated stuff. This one, you actually there was actually voiceover. You actually got to hear like Batman's inner dialogue uh, in parts of the movie, and it's like, oh shit, this is like they made a fucking comic book movie without it being a superhero comic book movie because this was pretty much a detective story. Like you yeah, could have took in the, you could like taken the bat suit off and give him like a trench coat and a fedora. And this would have been like some kind of like old school, like, you know, detective noir movie. Well, um, I guess from here on out, spoiler warnings. Um, but throughout the progression, you know, we all know the character as Batman, but this is before he identifies himself as Batman. Like, he starts out very much, you know, sort of DC's version of the Punisher. Yeah. You know, where, you know, hey, I'm doing this for vengeance. And, you know, you, you realize that all he's doing is empowering, you know, the opposition and the foes that, you know, he's going after. And... Yeah, it's some of those scenes where he's talking, where you know, we were getting his his whatever monologue and stuff where he's like, I can't save this city. Like I, 
I can't be everywhere at once. So the light in the sky has to strike fear into everyone. Cause no one knows if you're going to be the one that I come for that night. So it's like, there's people doing bad shit, but he's just one man. And he's like, you know, like that first kind of rescue scene you see of him where he shows up in the subway where somebody's getting, uh, robbed and kicks the shit out of a bunch of dudes and then tries to like help the guy up. And they're like, please don't hurt me. Like he's like, you know, as scary to the people he's saving as oh, yeah. he is to the criminals. Well, I mean, look at, you know, how and he's like, cause I think story wise, he's been Batman for approximately two years and he's like, I've been doing this every night for two years and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. There's still scum everywhere. It's like, I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, fighting. A well, I mean, even, even the good guys, you know, that should, you know, be helping, you know, they should be supporting each other. But like you said, you know, because of his methods and, you know, the, the whole vengeance motto, it's like, you know, You've got no support from anywhere because, you know, you've set out and done exactly what you said, and everybody fears you. Yeah, and even like, uh, like the first uh, murder where the Riddler kills the uh, the mayor, and the pretty much the only person in the kind of police world is that likes him is Gordon, uh, who's not even Commissioner Gordon yet. He is like Lieutenant Gordon, so even he's ha- he's got bosses and stuff. No, it's kind of a cool thing when you see the the bat symbol, bat light. It's not like you know in the comics and stuff. It's always been on the roof of GCPD where Commissioner Gordon can call on the Batman. But it's literally like in an abandoned building that was like partially under construction. It's like you know, so it's like you know, he's still not like official, official like relationship with the uh, Gotham PD and like all the other cops. When Gordon brings him in to view the crowd, he's like, "Why is this fucking freak here?" Like on our crime scene, like, you know, Gordon's the only one that sees like kind of the potential and is like, you know, this, this dude but knows then things again, you don't. At the same time, like how many of those cops were dirty? Like, and they know they're dirty, you know, they, yeah. they don't want to be found out and discovered. Like, <laughs> yeah, they hate him. Cause like, you have to, you know, cause that Batman year one, when, you know, Gordon's taking, you know, it's like he had to come in and clean up Gotham PD before it became the kind of the good, uh, organization that it was. And I, kind of the cool thing I thought about this movie, because it's not an origin. It's an origin story without being an origin story. It's, you know, he's been Batman for two years, but he's still not the experienced crime fighter hero that he is. So this is like, this is not an origin story of Batman. It's an origin story of the hero Batman. Yes. Like off the court, you know, he, like I said, he's like, he's the punisher pretty much as it starts. And by the end of this journey, He's like becomes something more and learns how to be a hero, and I was like, that was a cool kind of transition at the end know, of the I, film. I, to I, see where I he... thought it was kind of interesting, like you said. You know, he's in his infancy, so a lot of the gadgets and you know, I mean, that's always the thing, dude. His utility belt and his endless array of tech and toys, and you can see that. On this, he hasn't learned how to use all that stuff yet. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, <laughs> yeah, like you always see, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, swoop down and fly, you know, on, on my squirrel suit and I'm crash landing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the fight scenes, he's like, dude was taking some hits. He wasn't like the badass ninja that he, <laughs> he's, he's become. He's like, 
he, he got fucked up a couple times. Uh, yeah, he managed to come out on top, but it was not like the the quick, decisive victory we're used to seeing when it comes to the Batman. This is not Kevin Conroy's Batman. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I mean, it did a great job of, you know, humanizing. Yeah, cause, and, and, you know, we've not mentioned it yet, you know, played by uh, <laughs> Pattinson, who... And he didn't sparkle. I know, it's like I had no... Uh, uh, Robert Pattinson, yeah, I had... Cause, and that was the complaint a lot of people had when they cast him, was like, oh, we're getting sparkly Batman? But no, like, that's what most people know him for, is those stupid Twilight movies, and I hate those fucking movies. My wife watches them all the time. But that guy has done a lot of, like, these weird, low-budget, like, artsy dramas and shit. And, like, the dude's actually, like, a legit actor if you watch, like, some of his other kind of lesser-known films. And it's like, and then you see him as Batman, you're like, oh, dude looks like shit as as, uh, Bruce Wayne. Because, again, he's not become the hero Batman yet. He's, like, just vengeance. He's like, Bruce Wayne is just, like a guy I have to be like, I don't want to go to the board meetings. I don't want to do all this shit. Alfred, you deal with like the business stuff. I'm just going to sit in my basement and make bat gadgets. <laughs> and like, so we've always seen him with like, you know, all this cool high tech shit that Lucius Fox has built for him. But he's literally like in an abandoned, like subway station under. I mean, Wayne he doesn't Tower. even have a bat cave yet. Yeah. He's like, you know, freaking hand building his, his stuff and, you know, working out and whatnot. And like, even the Batmobile looks like some '60s hot rod that some uh, you know redneck built in his garage, which was totally badass. But it's not like the Bat Tank from the Nolan universe. Like he's not gotten to like I'm gonna build some like high tech shit, and but he's still like just fucking. He's like no, like fuck everybody. I'm doing this all on my own. You know, my mission is my life. You know, fuck the company fuck Bruce Wayne's life. Like, no, I'm Batman like 24 seven. And anytime he has to go out and do things as Bruce Wayne, it's like a huge kind of problem for him. He's like, I don't want to, my mission well, is I all mean, there is. I, I, I don't know for me. Like when he unmasked and everything else, like you always saw him with like the black, you know, ran, you know, makeup and everything else, and I'm like, it's goddamn Eric Draven. It's <laughs> it's the fucking crow. Like he's not the bat, he's the crow. <laughs> yeah, he does look like when he goes out, like when he goes to the mayor's funeral. It's like, oh, this is like looks like emo Peter Parker from Spider Man Three, and he's just like a fucking disrun, just like disgruntled kid. But then when he puts on the bat suit, it's like, all right, it's pretty legit. <laughs> but yeah, I uh. I don't know, and and, and I got to say, like, I, I loved, you know, sort of the take on, you know, the parental aspect and, you know, the take on Alfred and. Yeah, I like Andy Serkis as as Alfred, because if you've ever read the year one comic or the uh, watch the the animated version of it. And most of the Batman stuff we've seen, it's adult Batman and Alfred is this old dude, but Alfred was a badass back then. He was like, you know, MI6 freaking James Bond before he, you know, became the Wayne's Butler and kind of secretly their like security guy. <laughs> so the dude's got like a set of skills. So when he's like, oh yeah, let me, let me take a look at this cipher for you and, and solve these, uh, these Riddler, uh, ciphers that you can't 
figure out on your own. And, and like, you know, pretty much he's the one who provided like, he's like, you know, I should have been a father figure to you, but I was more of a, a mentor and a, and a trainer. So he's like, you know, teaching you how to fight and survive is like the only way I knew how to, to raise a child. Like, so, you know, I wasn't a father. I didn't have experience being loving. You know, I'm like, all right, let me turn this kid into a soldier so he can survive the world. He's being been dropped into. And it's, it's kind of cool seeing that take on Alfred as the, uh, you know, the boxing coach instead of the, the father figure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, speaking of the ciphers and everything else, like anybody that is a fan of the Zodiac or, you know, aware of the Zodiac, um, lots and lots of Zodiac references in this film. Yeah, they pretty much portrayed the Riddler as a serial killer instead of like the kind of the flamboyant Batman like villain that he's been in the past just like yeah him that kind of that more realistic gritty uh take on the on the riddler is like this yeah because that was always my thing like you know like between the riddler the joker and everything else like they were always foes that i never quite felt like i could take seriously as foes and 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 maybe that would be the you know my biggest demise is underestimating my enemy or whatnot but (laughs) I mean, you know, you had fucking Penguin, and it's like, all you got to do is push that dude down a flight of stairs, and he's just going to fucking roll. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, this is even kind of like an origin story for the Penguin, too, because he's like just the kind of middle management mobster guy. He's not like the big crime kingpin that we've we've seen him as, and the makeup on him, like, freaking uh, Colin Farrell is like, badass dude, like, he's been in a bunch of movies. But yeah, you can't even tell that's Colin Farrell when you look at him. If you didn't like see the credits and be like, that fat guy was Colin. I mean, kind of offended because you take you you know good looking Irish Colin Quinn took some roles from like you know, uh, you know an actual fat guy could have could have filled. <laughs> but, I mean, dude, I'll get you a cane and you know, um, you want to start waddling around like. Uh, but yeah, that dude looked nothing like Colin Farrell. I mean, like. I was like, the makeup on him alone is like, that's where all the budget, like, that's probably the greatest special effects in the movie. (laughs) But, you know, I mean, that's the thing is, like, the physical appearances of Penguin, of the Riddler, like, they look nothing like the characters out of the, you know the comics or anything else. I mean, the fucking Riddler, dude, that looked like, you know, somebody that had never left his mom's basement, you know? <laughs> He's married to his computer, and, uh... It almost had, like, a, uh, Seven feel to it. With, like, when they, you know, go to his, like, house, and f- when they finally, f- you know, find his, uh, where he lives, and just all, like, kind of the the books and the research on, on all the stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, this looks like some conspiracy theorist serial killer's house. Oh, but yeah, that, uh, that dude was creepy as fuck, but uh, what was the... I don't know, I had a thought. We went off on a tang- uh, on a, <laughs> a path, and I can't remember what my original, <laughs> my original thought was going to be. But speaking of creepy, and where you said there's definitely some stuff where they could have tra- trimmed this movie down, how many minutes or hours did we need of creepy stalker Batman where he was just like 
He's like, you know, when he's gathering intel, he's like, he doesn't go out in public as Batman. He dresses up as some, like, you know, biker dude with his helmet. And he's like standing on the rooftop, staring in somebody's window, like yeah. st- fucking stalker Batman. Like <laughs> spied on Catwoman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those scenes where he's just like creeping around, like following people. It's like, just... let me see what she's doing in her apartment. Let me see what she's doing in her bedroom. All right. What's going on in that bathroom? Like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm pretty sure like it. Y- y- you know, even private investigators have a line that they can't cross. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was some some definitely way too long scenes of Stalker Batman. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's got a you know a little bit of a uh, I mean a I'm, voyeur uh, you know fetish or something. I'm assuming that's how he knows everything all the time. But yeah, we don't need to see that. You could <laughs> shorten that down and be like, yeah, I checked out her apartment. I saw this thing. We're good. <laughs> I don't I don't need 20 minutes of him standing outside the window watching her get dressed. That just was a little creepy. Oh, no, now I remember the thing I was going to talk about was uh, the first murder when they solve the uh, the cipher and it says drive. So he, like, calls up Gordon. He's like, yeah, did he have, like, a car? And they go down to, like, the mayor's garage. And it's, like, you know, full of, like, fancy-ass cars. And he sees, like, because the mayor's thumb had been severed and was missing. And he sees, like, a thumb sticking out of the tire. And he's, like, oh. he's like, I think it's this car. And he gets in, and him and Gordon are looking around, and he hits a button in, like, a, a freaking... Fingerprint reader, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, fingerprint reader, and then it pops open, and there's, a uh, uh, like, a thumb drive stuck in there. And he's like, how'd you know that was in there? And he holds up the thumb, because the clue to the thing was, he's like, thumb drive. And he's like, oh, shit, we got a funny one. I hate the funny ones. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's like, but he missed the biggest clue of all, though. Yes, the carpet, uh, like the mayor is beat to death with this weird ass hammer that turns out to be a thing you use to stretch carpet out. And after all the things, like, like you think Batman is solving these crimes, but the Riddler is so much smarter than that. Everything that clue that Batman uncovers just leads him down this path that eventually like the whole purpose of cause the Riddler we find out is like a forensic accountant. Uh, and he finds this uncovers the fact that basically Thomas Wayne had started this fund to help the people of Gotham. And once he was murdered, kind of the mafia took it over and, basically had corruption throughout the city that was being funded by this charitable fund that he had started that was supposed to help people and orphans kind of like Bruce Wayne, or in this case, apparently the Riddler also grew up in a Wayne foundation orphanage. And, you know, starts trying to uncover all this corruption, but the real, like kind of the big bad is Carmine Falcone, but he's, this recluse that like runs his entire criminal organization from his nightclub and like never leaves the building and pretty much all these little crimes that Batman thinks he's solving is just getting him closer and closer to like getting Falcone arrested. So the Riddler can finally get his, his vengeance and kill him. It's like, you got to bring the rat into the light. Like this whole, you know, all this thing is like, he played freaking Batman, like, you know, all the way up to the very end. It was like, you think you're winning, but it's like Riddler's actually, you're doing exactly what the Riddler wants this whole, whole time was, I was like, 
oh, when that's like finally revealed, you're like, damn, this dude's like way smarter than I gave him credit. Yeah, through absolutely. Like, I mean, the, the build up and everything else, it's just like, oh shit, like, you know, you played right into the hand. Yeah. Oh, and the, uh, you know, Zoe Kravitz is is Catwoman, who's the estranged daughter of Falcone, is trying to get vengeance on him because he had her roommate, girlfriend, or whatever killed because she knew too much. And I, I really thought... I liked her character, too, because she was kind of on that... Is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? Is she in it for herself? But, but she also kind of was the where Batman was all vengeance. She was like the one who kind of, I don't know, kind of balanced him out a little bit where like, you know, you know, tried to get him to like think more about doing more. And so at the same time, like they, his mission, I don't know. They kind of evolved each other, you know, cause yeah. it was, you know, I, I think he saw a lot of himself in her actions, you know, cause it, you know, at one point, I mean, she's absolutely ready to murk people. And it's like, well, if you become a killer, you're no better than the people that you're trying to, you know, prevent from killing. And I think at that moment, you know, it kind of hit him and he's like, fuck. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is one of those where I've got to take my own advice if, you know, I'm going to progress and not yeah. get to that same you know plane or even when he because uh, he's like said ignoring the business of of wayne enterprises to just pursue his his agenda and when he has to go to the mayor's funeral and the new person who's running for mayor who's kind of a little more idealistic and as far as we know not part of the widespread widespread corruption She's like, do you know, did you know you're like your company and your father did like a shitload for like charity? And as far as my research goes, you've done nothing since you've taken over the company. Like, and I want to see that change. And, you know, she kind of gives him that, oh, I can, Bruce Wayne can be as beneficial to the city as Batman. Like I could do more using both of my, you know, you know, resources, you know. Batman taking care of the the night and Bruce Wayne taking care of shit in the day like you know maybe I can get more more done if I'm not just completely focused on this one mission there's more than one ways to to there's improve more than my one city way to skin a cat <laughs> yeah hmm. all right bat <laughs> oh yeah but uh kind of the like I said most of that movie is straight up detective drama but when they think the penguin is the rat that's that they've been looking for from the clues and they go to bust him at the drug uh, drug plant and you get the first reveal of the batmobile cuz you see it kind of under construction in the whatever bat basement i don't even, i don't think it's a full cave yet but when you know they're getting like a gunfight and and Penguin flees to his car, and then you just see, like, the Batmobile crank up in the darkness and the freaking flames coming out of the exhaust and shit. That was the closest this movie got to a superhero sequence. That freaking Batmobile car chase through the city was badass. I mean, that's, like, the closest it came to, like, full-on 
Batman action well, movie. Well, I mean, we had a couple of, you know, chase scenes between him and Catwoman on the bikes that were pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that... Like... That chase scene with the Batmobile and everything else, like... That's almost worth the big screen experience. <laughs> yes. Because that thing is badass looking. That, and I like the contrast of... The two times he goes to the Penguins, Falcone's underground bar, it's called like whatever, 32 Below or something like that. And the first time he goes, he goes as Batman to uh, talk to the Penguin and just goes to the front door and the two like security guards open. He's like, need to see uh, Falcone or the Penguin or whatever. And they're like, yeah, sure. And like close the door in his face. And then he pretty much like fights his way into the club until, you know, Penguin's like, hey, like, all right, you know, he's causing too much damage. Just let me just have this meeting with him, bring him on in. And the second time, it's like after the Riddler's clues kind of revealed that maybe Thomas Wayne wasn't the uh, the great moral leader that you thought he was. He might have also been in, in this corruption and may have had this reporter killed. So he goes to like Falcone to find out if it's true. And the second time he goes, not as Batman, goes as Bruce Wayne, and he's like, knocks on the door. He's like here to see Falcone. And this time they're like, oh shit, that's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, sure, come on in, kid. <laughs> it's like it's like pretty much the exact same, like, I want to see Falcone or the Penguin or whatever. And it's like the second time around, it's like, oh no, you're a rich guy. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> He's like, I should have done this earlier. This would have been way easier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is I think he realizes, like, you have the ability to play two different egos and, you know, hey, what are most crime family, you know, power and money. Yeah. You know, what do you have? Power and money as Bruce Wayne. <laughs> you know, when you're in a costume. You, you got to do it. You got to fight your way in every time. But, you know, as Bruce Wayne can. Got to get uh, got to get in the heads. Open doors and, and get into uh to areas that the the Batman uh, can't do, at least not without you know, a huge fight. <laughs> yeah, you know, Falcone tells him this, you know, like, oh yeah, your father asked me to kill this guy because he was he was about to run for mayor or whatever, and and uh, this guy was blackmailing him because turns out you're like I said, I didn't know Martha Wayne was like an Arkham, like yeah, you know, she was part of that family, and like oh yeah, like Arkham Asylum is is like was built by your your other side of your family because your mother had like you know mental health issues and and this guy was blackmailing uh your father uh to reveal the secrets that your you know your mother had issues and and shit you know and he believes it and then because at this point like alfred got blown up because riddler was one of the guys on uh or wayne was one of the guys on riddler's hit list ends up blowing him up until you know he finally gets the chance to talk to alfred and he's like no you're your father, like, you know, cause he, cause even in like the comics, like, you know, he, since his father was a doctor actually saved Falcone's life. So Falcone like owed him one and he's like, he just wanted him to scare this guy. And when he found out that he had him killed, he was like, I'm going to turn myself and you in and I can't prove it, you know, knowing something and proving some two different things. But I'm pretty sure that's why your father and mother died is Falcone had them killed and but he still doesn't like kind of still keeps that Batman. I don't kill people. Cause that'd been a very easy for him to be like, all right, fuck this guy. Let me go full Punisher and, and take him out. But he still kind of 
stay to his uh, his rules. Like, I'm all vengeance, but... What's that famous quote of Batman? He's like, if you kill a killer, the number of killers in the world stays the same. And I like the, I saw like a meme, it was that, but then it was the Punisher goes, yeah, that's why I kill a shitload of killers. <laughs> <laughs> it only stays the same if you only kill one killer. If you kill 20, you got like a, you know, 19 net gain there. <laughs> Yay, math! Or something to that effect. <laughs> oh. But yeah, the... <laughs> When they finally arrest the Riddler, and he's just chilling in the coffee shop, drawing uh, freaking question marks in his uh, cappuccino. Yeah, see, I didn't quite understand, like... Like, you know it's the Riddler. Like, there's probably clues and other shit there. Like, <laughs> that's, that's an active crime scene. Like... Yeah, because it was, like... He wanted to go to jail. Like I said, all this was to lure Falcone out and get him whacked. And then he uh, gets arrested so he will he can finally meet Batman face-to-face because Batman is, like, actually his, his hero. And I do like how you mentioned them kind of fashioning him after a serial killer. The online component, too, where he was, like, gathering this kind of following of, you know, by broadcasting all his, like, crimes and stuff on the web, developing this, like, army of, like, followers through the the dark web, pretty much. I was like, that's kind of an interesting modern twist on it. Yeah, that was the thing, is like, there was some grittiness and other things like with this that in some of the other live action like the it's more of a nuisance <laughs> whereas this like was absolutely real life death scenarios um I mean you know the the tone of this film was dark in addition to Everything else being dark, dark. <laughs> but you know that was that was one of the things that I think really made this film stand out. Oh, and just when he, you know, finally gets to meet the Batman face to face and and Arkham or whatever, and he's just like Bruce Wayne, and he's like, oh fuck, he know like he is like ahead of the game. He knows who I am, and he seems like he's like Bruce Wayne, Bruce freaking Wayne. And he's like. Yeah, the one that got away. <laughs> and he's like, what? <laughs> it's the whole time he's like, oh shit. He's like telling me he knows who I am. And then finally he's like, he's like, damn, you, I got everyone else on my list, but somehow fucking Bruce Wayne got away. And Batman's like, oh, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, he suspects, but he doesn't know. But luckily, you know, he never unmasked or anything else to give away his identity. <laughs> but then that reveal of like, no, I'm exactly where I want to be. Like my mission's not over. Like you know, he thinks like he's got him. I you know he he killed Falcone, but that was like the end of his thing. He's like, no, this this is just chapter one of the story, and I got you here so you would be safe with me when the other thing happens. <laughs> and he's like, you know, you inspired me. Your mission of vengeance is what made me like you know 
do all the things I did. You know, you're my freaking hero, man. And he's like, oh, fuck. Like, I've kind of, this is all my fault. And then he go, kind of goes back to the the Riddler's house trying to find, like, all right, like, I'm, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, he's kind of led me by the nose to this whole thing. What is he actually doing if this is not the end game? And then, ah, the carpet tool. Yeah, and just, this big rug. Yeah, just the one random cop that's there doing security, and he's like, you know, what are you doing with that carpet tool? He's like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah. My dad used to work like lay carpet. That's a tool you use to like get carpet into the corners. And he's like, oh shit, this was like the the fucking clue all along. And then finds that whole like map of Gotham that uh, where he's like, you know, had his followers plant bombs and shit, and was like, it was all about flooding the city, which he was too late to stop. But even that wasn't the end game. He's like, all right, I flooded the city. Everyone's going to all the rich people are going to retreat to the stadium because that's like the high ground. And then I'll just kill like, you know, all of Gotham's elite that have decided to hide out in this one location. And that was the second kind of the most Batman-y action sequence we got is when he goes to the, you know, Gordon stops the mayor from getting assassinated. And then Batman like kicks the shit out of all of, uh, the Riddler's henchmen up there in the, uh, the lighting. (laughs) Yeah. But I kind of like that whole, like, the whole chat room aspect leading up to that, like, yeah, I was like, that was very AOL chat room. Like that could have been <laughs> any of us when we were teenagers. Uh, yeah, man. Like, fuck the elite. Let's, you know, <laughs> take down the government. Uh, yeah, and everybody buying their homemade Riddler costumes to go, uh, <laughs> go gun down the elite. And even that, like the place is flooding and there's like a generator going to fall and like electrocute everybody. And he has that moment where he like loses his shit and he's like almost to the point of beating that one dude to death before, you know, they, they, they stop him and he's like, sees how like his violence and vengeance hasn't saved anybody. Like, and that's like the first time where he like, you know, jumps, you know, stops the generator from frying everybody and just jumps into the into the midst of the, uh, the flood and the rubble and starts digging people out. And is like, I have to be more than vengeance. My, my mission of vengeance has actually inspired these assholes to do all this shit. I need to also provide hope. And I thought it was kind of cool. Cause that's like the first time you ever see Batman in the daylight. Like he you know, goes in there and like leads the mayor and all the other people that are trapped in, in the, uh, rubble out. And then you see him like, you know, helping like with the, all the survivors on the roof is like the rescue choppers come in. It's like the first time you actually see Batman. I mean, that's him taking in the daylight and coming out stuff. of the darkness, you know, and, you know, and he's like, now I have to be like a symbol of, you know, not vengeance, but justice and hope. <laughs> and insp- I can inspire people as well as strike fear into the, into the, uh, the bad guys. And you can see later, like I said, he doesn't go out in the light. He he sticks to that, you know, I am the shadows, I am vengeance. No one sees me unless I'm here to fuck you up. Even when he travels around, when he's not Batman, he's in that little biker disguise and like a nondescript bike blending in with the neighborhood. And then at the end, when he, you know, kind of says goodbye to Catwoman, and he's like, no, I've kind of figured out a new way to do things he's got a, the bat cycle. It's like, you know, he's like, 
you know, now I'm going to start branding everything so everybody <laughs> sees me, knows who I am. So instead of my, my fucking non-distrip uh, dirt bike that I ride around in, uh, I'm going to, you know, slap Batman on all my gear so everyone knows <laughs> knows I'm here to help. <laughs> we call that branding. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't want to sneak up on anybody anymore. I got to, like, you know, make sure everybody knows I'm <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, I, I I don't know. Like, just the the progression, the arc. Like, there's a lot that this film offers that... I don't know. I'm just... Maybe it's just refreshing that it wasn't another Zack Snyder film. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I, I kind of feel like no matter how he does a film, like, they all have the same look and feel where this totally stands apart on its own. And, yes, once you get over the three-hour runtime, it's actually a very decent movie, um, now that we've broken it down and talked about it. And it's it's a film that I realize there's a lot of shit that I missed the first go-round. Yeah, it it's definitely like one of those that, like, you gotta pay attention it's definitely one of those that like now that it's out on streaming i feel like i'm gonna pick up more the second time around uh than i did that first time but yeah it's just it's not a superhero movie if you go in expecting the marvel we're getting an action sequence every 10 minutes See, i've dis- learned with dc not to ever expect that though like dc just has like, that's the thing. Marvel sort of has the feel-good, we're going to give you some badass stuff, some light-hearted stuff. And DC's always done the exact opposite. Uh, up until recently, then they've started... Yeah, they started trying to kind of copy to the copy, Marvel thing yeah. and do all these interconnected movies. And it's not it's not done well. I mean, it's... They've... I mean, they've had, like, financial success, but they're not, like said, great movies that I want to see a bunch of times, with the exception of some. I mean, the first Wonder Roman movie was pretty good. The second one was not great. Uh, first Aquaman was pretty good. But it seems like with this movie and the Joker, they've decided to kind of go back to that non-connected universe. Let's do these strong solo films. So I don't know if they're... I mean, the Flash movie, who is part of that uh, DC uh, expanded universe, supposed to be coming out, you know, eventually. But, I don't know, do they scrap that whole connected universe thing altogether? Or do they keep doing this, we're like, alright, we're making stuff that is part of the, our Justice League universe, and then let's also throw in these more artistic solo projects. I mean, so far, just... Stick with the solo artistic stuff. Find your own niche. You and, know, and like, they've already said there's going to be sequels to this version of Batman, and they've planned a couple spinoff TV series that's going to be on HBO Max. I think the Penguin's getting a, a series. So, yeah, I don't know if they continue to try to do this Justice League universe, or if they just... Because they got to replace Batman, because, uh, I mean, Pattinson's still 
kind of young to play, you know, well, the that Batman that's be my... in the DCU because that Batman is like, you know, a guy in his 50s probably. You know, it's a, a, a more long-term Batman. Or do they say, all right... Because right now they're trying to juggle both. They're trying. We're just going to gonna the... reboot the timeline, and this yeah. is the new Batman. Batfleck <laughs> never happened. Uh... I mean, that's entirely possible because it looks like they're doing kind of a multiversal flashpoint thing with this Flash movie. It's, is that the like? All right, this is going to be the last of our DC uh, Justice League universe. We're going to end it with the Flash and have him reboot the universe. And now our Justice League is Pattinson's Batman, and you know we. We kind of, like I said. So, how do you think he would do? You know, full on Batman. Hmm. Hey, I'm polished. I'm, you know, I've got my gadgets under control. I have access to the full Bat Cave, all the intel. Does he pull it off as well? Because I think he pulled this off because he's playing a character that we don't in his beginning stages. Yes. He's not. He's not, uh... As he has refined and polished... He's not Michael Keaton's Batman yet. <laughs> Nobody's gonna be Michael no. Keaton Batman. See, I don't know, because now that I've seen this, I'm like, uh, oh, Pattinson's actually a really good actor, but if you're gonna do full-on grown-up Batman, you also have to have a great Bruce Wayne. Like, he's he, he can do the dark and brooding... And kind of emo Bruce Wayne, but can he do the suave Playboy uh, cover for Batman? <laughs> you know, like I, I, I don't know if I, yeah, see a happy, you know, put together uh, Robert Pattinson in any in anything. He does great weird gritty characters, but I don't know if he can also do the uh, the Playboy the a billionaire uh, <laughs> role. So yeah, like. I don't know. I think they, I think DC either needs to scrap that whole connected universe Marvel plan and go back to doing these kind of independent universes, or they're going to have to like you know get better at making those uh, other films and then let these kind of exist in their own own universe. Because I don't know if you could bring Pattinson's world into the world they've established with the current justice league movies. I don't, I don't know how well that kind of aesthetic would fit together. <laughs> no, it'd be too much of a cluster. So yeah, it's either like the, either could keep doing this, the I, separate I, branches or just get rid of the justice league EU and go back to these kind of small, more artsy. Now small is still a $200 million movie and made like 800 million so far. But <laughs> so did it make eight hundred million because it was a good movie, or did it make eight hundred million because this is the biggest name that we've had release in theaters in a long time? Yeah, because it was the num. It's it's made the most money of anything released this year so far. But then we we got Doctor Strange coming out in another month, so that's probably gonna <laughs> break that record. But I think it's it's. The runtime definitely probably cut back on how many people were seeing it, but I think yeah, this is, was worth going and seeing in in theaters, even though my butt was like numb by the time we got done with it. But yeah, I think like I said, the Joker was, which I've still yet to see the Joker, but, but everyone says that's a great movie. 
I think that's what keeps Warner Brothers DC alive is these kind of art project movies that like people are like, oh, they can still tell good superhero stories because the like popcorn flick Justice League stuff is just eh. Like I said, I, I seen them once and I'm like, all right, yeah, that was fun and all, but it, there's nothing compelling here that I want to come back and watch a second time. But then again, those movies have made shitloads of money for them, so they're probably going to still keep making those as well, as long as they don't stop making movies like The Batman and Joker. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, me personally, I like the standalone stuff a lot better than I do the... And I, I, I don't know why. You know, it just... Even that last Justice League movie I liked. You know, and it's kind of part of that kind of Justice League Snyder verse that they've started, but it was different enough than the, you know, the shit they've put out so far that it was like, like I don't know. Do they go the comedic comic booky route or do they stick with these, these dark stories? Cause both of them have their kind of, you know, dark stories, things we like in the dark. <laughs> yeah. Like just give up on the whole funny shit. Let Marvel do that. And then let's, let's get like, more of these like hardcore dark Batman films. Yeah, I mean it is kind of refreshing, you know, to you know, have something dark and gritty that, you know the adults can enjoy. You know, like I I can appreciate a family film uh, a family friendly, fun, hey yeah, you know, type superhero film, but you know, at the same time, this felt unique. Yeah, it, it was in a world of reboots and remakes. This was something new and even new in the Batman universe that we've we've gotten so far. And we had to talk about, but uh, Carmine, John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. I liked him as that dark gangster character. Oh, yeah. I, I've always seen him as like... Dude, he, he absolutely sold, you know, crime syndicate, you know, mob boss. Yeah, he was like personable and likable. And then in like in a second, he's like, oh, this is a dark, evil man. <laughs> you know, he had that balance so well. And it's like, you know, I know he's done some more dramatic stuff, but mostly I've seen him in like comedic roles, like Homeboy from Transformers and... and dude in like Adam Sandler movies. Like I was like, Oh shit, this guy is like legit actor. Like, so he pulled off, you know, Falcone, like excellent in this movie. Like, I mean, like everybody that was in this film, like brought their fucking a game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it, it may be just the fact that I went in low expectations cause it was Pattinson. And it was also the last couple DC movies have not been great. And then I was like, fuck, I was surprised by this movie. I was like, this is, a film. <laughs> like, it's one of those, like, I walked out, I'm like, I'm so, like, kind of amazed by this that I, I don't know if I like it yet or not. It's one of those, just, like, I left with, like, more questions than answers. I was like, wait a minute, this is, this is not the same shit we've seen, like, regurgitated time and time again. I'm like, this is something different. <laughs> and, like, I know we've complained enough times that, like, you know, we don't get anything different these days. I'm like, Oh, sweet. We actually, somebody brought something different to the table. And so different from something like a Peacemaker or a Suicide Squad that is fucking hilarious. Where this is like, oh, this is like a legit movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this just, this just felt, you know, there, there was enough to make it feel familiar, but it was different enough to stand apart, like you were saying, from so many of the other DC films. You know, and I think that's what DC needs to focus on is breathing new life into its franchise. Yeah, and with the post credit scene of Riddler losing his shit because, you know, Batman stopped his ultimate plan and his uh, next door roommate is like, ah, oh, buddy, you know, you, you know, you just need a friend. <laughs> and, it's like, and then that, that laugh at the end and you're like, did we just meet the Joker? <laughs> we met the Joker. So, a Joker in this kind of new, dark Batman universe, that has the potential of being, like, pretty epic. I mean, this, I mean, they may go full, like, horror movie with the next Well, <laughs> I mean, you know, think about, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman, you know, and, and the Joker on it, you know, where he's unleashed, you know fucking gassing all of Gotham and everything else. Like, I mean, they went pretty hard with, you know, the Riddler and the explosions and trying to, you know, flood the city and, you know, hey, all of my followers, you know, gather your arms and, uh, you know, we're going to take out the city's elite. Like, yeah, I mean, I had kind of flashbacks to, to Seven, to Saw, like these good, like, psycho serial killer mystery movies where the Joker's... Oh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, absolutely is a Saw reference because you see the dude sitting there on the, uh, you know, fucking chair with the shotgun, like, uh, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so the Joker, I mean, if if Riddler's, we get serial killer version of Riddler, fucking Joker is like full psychopath, you know, mass murdering motherfucker, I mean, yeah, the next movie could be, I mean, it has the potential to be, like, some serious fucked up shit. <laughs> and I'm I'm on for it. I'm on board to see what the what the fuck uh, their version of the Joker ends up uh, ends up being. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely would like to see a continuation. And so far, he's got a good Joker laugh. I mean, he's no Mark Hamill, but I give him props on his Joker laugh. That was, uh, that was creepy. <laughs> So was that Leto, or was that somebody else they cast? No, it's like somebody completely different. It's, uh... uh let me find his name here. Because uh, he didn't even get, like, credited as the Joker. It was, uh... As, uh... Una- unseen Arkham Prisoner. Uh... Barry Cogan is the, uh... The actor's name. That you And he's been in, uh... He was in, uh... Dunkirk. And... Um... Been in a few things. Uh, he he was uh, he played. Uh, uh, did you ever watch the Eternals? That last Negative. Marvel movie came out. Well, it is on Disney Plus now, so you can go see that without having to pay for it. But there's uh, one of the Eternals is a kind of a younger guy, and he, his power because all of them have different powers is mind control. So he basically becomes like a cult leader at one at the. <laughs> and so yeah, that guy is the one who plays. So is, is Eternals the worth my time watching? It's pretty good. It, it it was fun. It was it, it very loosely connected to the rest of the the MCU, but it's got some some definitely some cool action and whatnot. And there's some funny ass shit in it too. But uh, 
Yeah, especially if you got Disney Plus, you might as well watch it. It's <laughs> you've already paid for it essentially. But yeah, this once you see the 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 one guy who has like mind control who like once they kill all the uh the monsters, they kind of all just retire, but they're immortal, so they all go off and live lives and he like hates humanity, so he basically starts a cult in the jungles of South America and pretty much mind controls everybody and tries to build his own like little utopia. But yeah, that's the new Joker. <laughs> cool. Alright, uh... He's got kind of a weird look, too, so with, like, some facial scarring and all that stuff, he, he might be able to pull off a, a good Joker. So, any, uh, final thoughts on... Well, let's say the Batman first. You got, yeah, anything we haven't covered yet that, uh, we need to talk on before we... No, I mean, I, I think we pretty well covered all the bases. I mean, you know... Last night I was a little bit harsh on it. But, you know, after analyzing and dissecting, like, there's there's a lot of content and a lot to appreciate. And, you know, I would be, in the comfort of my own home, absolutely willing to watch again just to pick up on all the things that I missed in the first go-round. Yeah, and like, I liked Zoe Kravitz's version of Catwoman. I liked the Penguin. And you were supposed to be getting that Penguin series where I guess she's going to show him... Because he, he's kind of left, with Falcone dead, he's kind of left to take over the mafia there in Gotham. So I guess we're going to kind of see his... Oh yeah, there's absolutely... Grow up be story a, uh, to him becoming the the big criminal that uh, he's always been. So uh, what do you think of this here cigar as we're getting toward the end? Cigar's great. Um, I, I don't know, it's... It, did it pick up on spice about midway through for you? That's what I'm thinking. It's getting a little little more peppery toward the end. Which, like I said, if we had a good, like, malty beer to go with it, it would definitely be a balance of, like, like that spice and then, like, the 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 malty sweetness of a, a one of those Maduro beers. I, I, so I could see where this kind of would balance each other out. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm digging it, though. I mean, it's very reasonably priced. For folks that are, you know, fans of, you know, Maduro, Habano, um, you like that maltiness in your cigar. Um, this is this is right up. Uh, it has absolutely maintained that earthiness throughout, but you know, it 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 did pick up a little bit on spice. Like it, this is a cigar that makes me want a beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it, I definitely expected that. Uh kind of mellow earthiness to like keep going. And then, yeah, once you get to about the midway point, it's like, Oh, this is, I'm starting to taste that Habano spice now. And yeah, this definitely a kind of a good transition. Kind of like this movie had a good transition. Yes. <laughs> the cigar also has a good story arc that'll keep you entertained. Uh, and with that, we will be right back. Uh, remember to like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're a, want to hear the rest of what we talk about go check out the audio podcast at cigarnerdpodcast.com
science! And we're back. It's time for some science. Yes, science. Hey man, you wanna you wanna do some shrooms and, and trip balls? I mean, I've heard you know. I mean, wasn't Joe Rogan microdosing or something like that at one point? Like that's the, that's the big popular thing now is like yo know, microdosing and shit. They, they think you know, it's good for your brain. Open open you know that part of the brain that we don't use. You know, explore new horizons and. I just love the meme of the cat with the giant eyes, and it's like cat ate all my LSD, and he's like, hey, do you see the size of that dragon in the kitchen? <laughs> well. For so, you... do you like dragons? <laughs> <laughs> so, for you uh, mushroom fans, there's good news. Uh, new magic mushroom species discovered in the Australian wilderness. Ah, oh. from the land down under. <laughs> I'm from a land down under. <laughs> so, yes, uh, a mysterious mushroom was recently discovered by Dr. And this is a cool, like, comic book name. Alistar McTaggart. <laughs> Whoa, Alistar. <laughs> Alistar McTaggart, uh, a fungal genetics researcher at the University of Queensland, while sifting through soil samples taken from the Cadu and Litchfield National Parks uh, in the Northern Territory, uh, analyzing soil sample, noticed DNA sequences of a cybocyl fungus that had never been identified before. I suddenly predict an uptick. <laughs> An Australian vacation? Yes. <laughs> uh, Specifically to this region. Uh, they uh, say this belongs to the Cybocyl uh, species, I guess, of mushrooms. Uh, and while... Uh, which, uh, while they... Don't know what this looks like because they only found this kind of DNA in soil samples and not actual mushrooms yet. They say it may resemble the Cybocell brunacacidiata, a species of psychedelic mushroom discovered in the deep rainforests of Papua New Guinea in the 70s. Hmm, I don't know. Everything in Australia tries to kill you. Is it worth the risk? <laughs> uh... It said it recently discovered, uh, the recent discovery came around because of a project they're working on, which they're trying to study the distribution of widely known magic mushrooms, uh, uh, also known as golden tops, and how they kind of grow and spread across the uh, the world, because they're you know found in Australia, America, Asia, but no one really is sure where the mushrooms originated, because, you know, I guess, you know, birds uh, kind of have scattered this stuff around the world usually found growing in, in cow poop and whatnot so they're trying to kind of I guess map the biodiversity and try to find the origin of said mushrooms and they discovered a new mushroom along the way or at least the DNA to a new mushroom <laughs> so if you're out in Australia have a have at it and speaking of things that uh, you may do on mushrooms uh Someone just rickrolled an entire city in Texas using drones. Oh, shit. <laughs> so 300 drones. Uh, uh, a company in Texas uh, basically called Sky Element Drone Shows, based in Fort Worth, uh, launched, uh, like I said, 300 drones, 120 meters or 400 feet up in the Dallas sky on April Fool's Day as a prank. 
the drones formed a giant QR code uh, in the city sky. And if you were to scan said QR code, it would take you to the uh, Rickroll video that has been existing on the YouTubes for uh, forever. So yeah, if you if you happen to be in Dallas that day and scanned it, you would get a clip of the song Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Ann's Astley. <laughs> oh, what a great marketing PR. It's kind of cool that they can, because there's like pictures of it, these basically things you know, lit up with like purple lights in the night sky and it's kind of cool. This company like does these basically, I don't know. We used to all go see the old laser show at uh, stone mountain. It's like kind of like night sky laser shows using drones to make images in the sky, which is kind of a, kind of a cool uh, concept, but yeah, that forming a giant QR code is, I've never seen that happen before. And that's kind of hilarious using drone swarms. Yeah, I, to, I think it'd be kind <laughs> of cool that. to see like, you know, I, I mean, I can remember going, you know, one summer to, like, the Pink Floyd laser show and stuff like that. Like, a drone show, though, might be interesting. Yeah, especially so you can, I guess, pretty much pre-programmed them to make any kind of design in the, <laughs> in Just the gotta, sky. But I imagine 300 drones, it's going to be, you know, sound like a bunch of pissed off bumblebees. <laughs> yeah, you probably have to get it high enough in the sky that it's not noisy or like I said Laisha always played like loud music and shit so maybe the music uh will cover up the bing yeah. <laughs> the buzzing and speaking of robots good old spot the robot dog from uh Boston Dynamics that uh we say one day is going to be the is foundation this a good of the Terminators. boy yes uh not the bad boy well now he is uh on guard duty in the city of Pompeii. Oh, damn. Trying to prevent another eruption? <laughs> well, uh, Spot, the four-legged robot dog from Bastion, is, uh, is protecting the ruins of Pompeii. Uh, basically, uh, like I said, the, the city, since it's been dug up and has become like an archaeological park, they've had problems with... You know, vandalism and also illegal excavations, uh, you know, graveyarding and whatnot. So since it's such rough terrain around this city, including several um, basically tunnels dug, dug by grave robbers or like, you know, legitimate uh, uh, archaeological digs that are not the safest places to be, Spot, who was kind of designed to navigate using radar and LIDAR and other stuff, uh, rough terrain is able to kind of patrol the site and also get into these small caverns and, you know, search for anyone up to nefarious, uh, plans. And also, you know, since he can proceed with greater speed and, and safety, um, I guess kind of monitor the conditions of the, the park to see if there's anything dangerous that needs to be, kind of restored or uh, able to get in to places where researchers, it might be more dangerous for researchers to get to kind of check the status of the site. And he has a sidekick uh, called black to fly BLK to fly, which is a drone that, uh, that uh, can actually kind of connect and communicate with spot on the ground and, and work together to, Keep the ruins safe and stop them from getting more ruined. (laughs) 
Yay, we don't have ruined squared. <laughs> yeah, so this is a 163-acre park uh, that Spot is currently patrolling. Uh, He's a good boy. <laughs> I mean, we talked about them, uh, whatever, working the 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 borders uh, for the uh, Border Patrol, but now Sparks also work, Spot is also working with our college to preserve history. So anyone who complained about you know using robot dogs to catchy legal aliens like hey we can also use robot dogs for for good instead of you know well other types of good that are less politically uh, accepted (laughs) good cover yeah (laughs) i see what you did there (laughs) oh speaking of weird robot things did you know teslas can see ghosts God, are we going back to like the Pokemon Go where we're going to have to start keeping Teslas out of graveyards? (laughs) Yeah, a man's uh, Tesla keeps detecting activity in a uh, in a graveyard. Uh, (laughs) A video uh, by at I am three Digar on TikTok, which I do not watch. I am the digger. (laughs) Uh, The grave digger. Not to be confused with the monster truck. So, uh, the Tesla's uh, eight cameras or 12 ultrasonic sensors are made to detect hazards, uh, like someone walking out in front of the vehicle. And, you know, they have automatic safety measures that can slam on the brakes if it detects some kind of, you know, hazard in the roseway. Well, while driving slowly through a graveyard, the uh, Tesla kept giving alerts on potential uh, hazards in the roadway that were human-shaped and standing near graves <laughs> where there was no one in the graveyard except for our lone driver with his Tesla kept detecting human-shaped objects that weren't there. Hmm. I wonder how, like... Do you know, like, a lot of times, like, there'll be gravestones and stuff with, like, angel statues and, you know. Hmm. Well, you know, Tesla's claiming that it's just, you know, glitches in the hazard detection software, possibly uh, detecting plants and flowers that are close up to the vehicle and mistaking them for hazards that are farther, farther out. But I don't know how it could, like, report a flower as a human shaped hazard <laughs> I don't know maybe maybe all the grave mar- but at the same time like we're gonna entrust like dude I see people like fucking reading books like completely zoned <laughs> out behind the wheel like 100% putting their trust in all these sensors like going 80 miles an hour down the highway yeah like that to me is why I could never tune out. Like, yeah, even I mean, I saw a <laughs> video. Uh, I forgot where. I think it was in. Te- Might have been in Texas somewhere, where a police officer pulled over one of these self-driving cars with no one in it. It was a legitimate, like, autonomous self-driving car. And you see in the video, cop like pulls it over, and it pulls over, and he gets up to the window. And there's like nobody inside, it, and he's like, uh, the fuck I do now. <laughs> 
Oh, Raggy. <laughs> like, that'd be a straight-up Scooby-Doo, you know, like. Uh, so, yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, they, and they say, like, false positives are, you know, not uncommon. They've recalled a few cars because of having problems with that detection software. But at the same time, like, why is it seeing people in a graveyard? That is kind of creepy. Te- the new Ghostbusters Tesla edition. <laughs> and speaking of Tesla, we're all electric now. Speaking of Tesla and trolling people, Elon Musk has become the largest shareholder in Twitter. <laughs> Still don't know if he's you know Doctor Evil or Tony Stark. It could go either way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's like yeah. You know, apparently, got tired of uh, Twitter uh, censoring people, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna bring free speech back to Twitter and instead of complaining about the fuckers, I'm just going to use my money and buy the fuckers. <laughs> so yeah, now he's the, like, isn't he trying to like, you know, Hey, I'm now your largest stockholders or shareholders. So if, uh, you can either sell me your company or I'm going to tank your stock. Pretty much. Like originally he bought, like he was like the largest private owner and bought like, I like think 9% of the company, which they invited him to join the, the board since he was now like one of the highest stock owners, but apparently being part of the board puts you in some kind of like, uh, there's like legal limits on how much of the company you can own if you're part of the board and controlling the company. And so he declined that offer and said, let me give you a counter offer. I'll offer you 42 billion for the rest of the company. And, uh, if you, which was, I guess, higher than the stock, it's currently priced, but then his follow-up is like, this is a good deal for y'all. Y'all can take the deal or I may reconsider, uh, my ownership in this company and sell all my stocks, which will then crash all of your stocks. So you can sell to me or y'all going to get fucked <laughs> so far. There's not been a, uh, uh, a response on whether the, the deal will, will go through. But yeah, it's funny seeing all the people complain. Oh my God, he's going to stop censoring people and bring back free speech. And that's their like complaint of why they don't want uh, him owning Twitter, which that's just bizarre. I mean, the world's gone to shit <laughs> if you're complaining about too much free speech. Well, I mean, that's the problem is everybody wants free speech as long as it fits their ideology. Yeah. You, you, know? can, you can say whatever you want as long as you agree with me. Uh, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear mean of, things. Of, of, you know. The differentiate from what I like. I don't know. I mean, we just live in a very narcissistic, you know, like what happened to, you know, free thinking and critical thinking. And no, we've all been programmed to, you know, just follow the masses. Yeah. Like, fuck, I don't even use Twitter. Like, I have a, we have a cigar nerd Twitter account, and literally the only thing I post there is the links to the show and, like, uh, I share my Instagram yeah, our, stuff there. Our social media numbers show that. Other than accurate. that, I never like, I never read the Twitter. I just send the show stuff over there. And then like, so I never actually follow what's on Twitter other than the putting our stuff up there. Cause it's just such a, a fucking shit show over there right now. But that's all I got for you this week. We'll be right back. <laughs> Comic-Cons are back, and fans are ready. Hear all about it on The Con Guy Show, where we keep you up to date on all the events, the movies, the people, and the conventions that drive your passions and feed your fandom. Straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California, 
We are proud members of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. And now it's time for all things nerdy in nerd news. And welcome to news. Yeah, news. We're going to talk about some strange things. Diarrhea? Nope. Stranger Things. Ah. Season four. <laughs> a war is coming. We've got a new trailer. And I think it's confirmed that we're actually in the D&D universe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. We got a new, uh, whatever the final villain reveal. And and also a uh, good soundtrack for the uh, <laughs> for the trailer. Yes, absolutely. And for yeah. some reason, there's a guitar solo in the Upside Down. I don't know because how that's going to tell into the story, but it was fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, you always have to have an epic guitar solo. That's my problem with so many modern bands is we've, <laughs> you know, strayed away from epic guitar solos, and I demand that we bring them back. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I mean, I expect a guitar solo in the song, but there's literally a dude playing the guitar in the fucking Upside Down, and I'm like, if this is part of the actual storyline, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's been six months since the uh, Battle of uh, Starcourt. Um, our group of friends, they get a, bit, a little bit separated. We're yeah, not going to have each other's backs. <laughs> and they've at least, because, I don't know, like you said, six months. I don't, like, I don't know if that's the... That's Actually, the story time. Yeah, because it's been like three years yes. since... The, so, like, all these kids are, like, you know, no longer kids. So, yeah, they at least jumped them up to high school <laughs> in the trailer. So, it's like, yeah, no wonder this is the last season. I mean, everybody's season. already on their 20s now, right? Yeah. So, no wonder this is the last season, because they can't pass as kids anymore. <laughs> well, I think season five is the one that they've announced will be the final season. I thought this was... Because I know they're doing it in two parts. I thought this was, like, the... It... Yeah, I don't know. But I did see something that, you know, our episodes this season are going to be have a longer run time. Yeah, I, I didn't look at the, the episodes, but I know they're doing it in two parts. The first one coming out uh, May 25th or 27th, and then the second half coming out uh, uh, in June. So it's like, yeah, they're breaking it up uh, in, into two groups uh, this time around, and like you said, longer longer run times for this uh, this season. Yeah, so we're actually going to, you know, have a split. So um, Season 4, uh, Volume 1, will be May 27th on Netflix, and then Volume 2 on July 1st, just in time for the Independence Holiday. <laughs> Celebrate your independence in the Upside Down. Or do they find a new level now? Now there's the sideways. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's going to, like... They're just going to keep continuing until, you know, they've completed the Konami code. Yeah. We finished the upside, the up and the now down. Now we have infinite stranger things. Now we got to do the left and right. <laughs> so, um, Walking Dead, I think the series has officially wrapped up after how many years? Way too many years. Yeah, too I don't many. Know. I've, I quit watching the, yeah. I've not watched any of, uh, 
I got caught up on the graphic novels, and they've progressed so much faster, and I'm just like, man, I can't watch the show now, because things just progress so slow. Yeah, I got out of it after whatever the season after they killed Glenn. I only made it about halfway through that one, and I've not seen anything since. Wasn't that like season one? No, that was like, whatever, four or five. They killed the cigar-smoking guy. Uh, when <laughs> when they killed Abraham, I'm like, I ain't watching this shit no more. <laughs> and then the, I never watched the, the other one, uh, the... The whatever the LA uh, version of The Walking Dead. I never never got eleven into that one. seasons. Eleven. So yeah, now we're getting this uh, what you might call it uh, anthology series, Tales yep. of the Walking Dead. So yeah, this is going to be six different stories, you know, set around the apocalypse with new characters and you know some returning characters as well. Um, which might be interesting, you know, some... I mean, I think it'd be, you know, instead of, like, takes. a, you know, continuous, you know, season, like, that was my thing, man, like, dude, like, all of season two was literally three pages of the the novel, <laughs> like, I'm just like, you guys were literally at the prison for a couple of days, how did we make an entire season revolving around, you know, the prison, like, just, let's, let's move the show along, but... I guess that's how you get 11 seasons. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of filler. <laughs> a lot of filler episodes. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got a teaser. Not really a whole lot of details. Um, I think this summer is when Tales of the Walking Dead is set to appear on AMC. So, for fans of the series, definitely something to, you know, check out if that's your thing. Um, we got to talk about some buddy cop films. Um, we did get classic a classic new... genre of film. That... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I always love a good buddy cop film. Um, so we we have a couple in the works. Uh, one is a new upcoming series. Uh, it's going to be the Takedown. Um, it's, yeah, it's like most of the stuff we're talking about this episode are, are Netflix things. I mean, Netflix is I is mean... is going for it. Well, I think Amazon is still working out, you know, it's still for John Cena to star in everything that (laughs) it's working on. But, you know, I mean, dude, Netflix has put out some quality stuff, so. Yeah, a lot of their, you know, you used to to go to Netflix to watch old TV shows. Now it's like their original content is mostly what I end up watching on there. Yeah. So, you know, um, the, the the premise is basically, you know, two cops, very different backgrounds and careers. Um, the pair are reunited for an investigation that takes them across France. It's going to be like hot fuzz. <laughs> um, French fuzz. Yes. A uh, simple drug deal turns out to be much bigger criminal case wrapped in danger and unexpected comedy. Um the only thing is this is English dubbed. I <laughs> yeah, I noticed that from like, the trailer. I was like, uh, yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> yep. So uh, this will come out. I like on... that last Jean-Claude Van Damme <laughs> movie I watched that was all <laughs> all dubbed. I got dubs. We're going to make a rap song about dubs. <laughs> we got some dub dubstep, yo. <laughs> Whoa. Love, 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 dub, dub, dubstep. Um... May 6, 2022 is when this is set to release on the Netflix. Um, the next thing that we're going to talk about, also at Netflix, 
Beverly Hills Cop 4. That's interesting. I had no idea that they were bringing that back. I mean, the third, first two Beverly Hills Cop movies are freaking classics. The third one was, it was a little weak. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to get to, uh, you know, Murphy's going to reprise his role as uh, Alex Foley. Um, and, you know. It should be interesting seeing him do. I mean, we're going to get a new director, but. Jerry Bruckheimer is back to produce. Hmm. So I'm hoping with him and the producer role that we won't, you know, lose touch of, like you <laughs> said, we, we had two. Third one, a little meh. Yeah, I got a little silly. Maybe maybe number four, we kind of get back to basics. and. Let's <laughs> think Eddie Murphy's done so much, like, family comedies and stuff recently, like, you know, the nutty professors and the, uh, and the, uh, whatever flubber and whatnot. It's kind of interesting to see him get back to the, the action comedy that, uh, he kind of started his, uh, movie star career as. Cause I've heard he's even like talking about going back and doing like stand up and shit again. So, you know, I liked Eddie Murphy back in the day, but yeah, they kind of quit doing stand up, started doing these like family movies and shit. But I it's think like, now the kids are older, that sort of thing. See him go back to the OG Eddie Murphy. Uh, I think Eddie's also cool. a little older now, so I don't know. You know, is he gonna be able to move around? And uh, <laughs> does he get? Do, do we get the uh, the leather suit again from uh, <laughs> from uh, fucking uh, was it uh, Eddie Murphy Raw? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We're bringing it back. <laughs> no, I think that that could work. I don't know. Like, we don't have a official release date on this one yet, but um, I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of hoping that we we get some of the dirtier, you know, Eddie Murphy and, you know, get back to those uh those Beverly Hills early days. So we'll see what's in store. Um kind of speaking of gritty, um we got a World War II film, Operation Mincemeat. Um which kind of a uh historical spy drama. Well, I mean, apparently this is a true story that not a whole lot of people really know about. So it's 1943, two British intelligence officers who attempt to turn the tide of World War II with an act of deception that involves the recruitment of a dead body. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, dude. We're going to weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) Yes. Um... Yeah, it looks like um, Glendor Michael is the body, a, a tramp who, <laughs> you know, you know, died from eating rat poison, dressed him as an officer of the Royal Marines, and placed personal items on him, identifying him as the fictitious Captain uh, William Martin. <laughs> yeah, basically they're trying to, it's like the invasion of uh, Italy, but they're trying to Greece convince uh, the Germans that they're attacking at a different location via this complicated dead body uh, plot. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like his, you know some of the more historical war films. So might be might be interesting, and not your traditional like you know kind of action war movie. It's like more of a like I said a spy uh, <laughs> a spy tale. Yeah. So this is actually based on the 1953 book, The Man Who Never was that could be a Metallica song 
<laughs> um, so Operation Mincemeat will be released on May 11th. If you you know like I I, I do enjoy you know a a historical war film. On the as well as I, I so. don't normally, it's not something I normally watch in theaters, but there's a lot of them that I've watched later on when they've come out on video, and it's like these are actually some like Dunkirk was uh, actually a pretty good. So I ended up watching that at the cigar shop one night. So it's like, yeah, some of these uh, historical uh, movies are are pretty cool. Yes. Ah, uh, the next one it has Ron Perlman, so it caught my attention. <laughs> But this is going to be a gritty crime action thriller. There are no saints with Ron Perlman, Tim Roth, Neil McDonough. Um, it's written by Paul Schrader, who did Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, and The Last Temptation of Christ. Um, done some very good writing and decent films over the years, so... Um, the trailer didn't really look all that great, but like I said, it had Ron Perlman. So <laughs> yeah, it looks like to... the story of a former criminal that gets out of uh, prison and you know cannot escape his past, and his I guess former associates or whatever kidnap his son, and he has to go on a taken vengeance spree to get his son back from his former associates. <laughs> yes, and it looks good and violent, which is it's always a entertaining <laughs> yeah absolutely um this quality one... violence violence can make up for a bad storyline <laughs> yep yeah we'll, we'll see how you know the mr perlman pulls off uh this um on may 27th and uh yeah that's that's what i got for news lots of trailers All anything right. that you then we get something for dr strange too I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I think there's a new. Do- I think there's also a new Jurassic World trailer came out, but I've yeah, I saw the I've, you know kind of preview for it. Forgot to watch it. <laughs> um, you know, while I was watching the trailers for the Batman, basically look like yeah, we're just gonna rehash everything from the original Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. So they they brought back all the OG uh, Jurassic Park people too. So yeah, we yeah. So that'd be kind of cool. They finally got the whole old team back together and we got a little bit of like a yeah but brief scene of everybody's uh, grandmas and grandpas now <laughs> yeah like. dr malcolm in the last one so and now we get like uh dr you know. grant and uh dr and, uh, alan grant and uh ellie sadler yeah that's the name i was trying to remember so yeah we get all the all the og uh back together oh but with that you can check us out on cigarnerdpodcast.com we're on the eso network at eso network.com we're on the youtubes now cigar nerd podcast on youtube we're on instagram facebook twitter at cigar nerd pod uh get your shirts at real men smoke cigars get your energy drinks at strikeforceenergy.com promo code cigar nerds and with that i am vengeance and this has been a recording of the cigar nerd podcast we're your hosts smoking joe and brad jackson join us next time for more adventures in nerddom This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.